Hey everyone, this is Catherine. I edited today's episode of the Divided Families podcast. For this show, Eugene interviewed two people from a Bulgarian organization that represents the Roma ethnic minority in Europe. Now, if you're not familiar with the Romani people or much of their history, don't worry, you're not alone. Most of us weren't taught about the Romani people in school, or if you were, you may have heard the more disparaging term, gypsies. What struck me when listening to what you're about to hear is that the discrimination and obstacles the Roma face are distinct, but they also share parallels with so many other historically marginalized groups. If you want to understand what your high school history class has left out, you're about to find out. And with that, here's Eugene. Good company with two people from Bulgaria at the Trust for Social Achievement. I'm with Maria, the Institutional Development Officer at Ongyan, the Educational Achievement Official. A friend of mine who's doing the Fulbright program in Bulgaria told me to reach out for questions about the Roma, and TSA creates opportunities for disadvantaged groups, in particular the Roma, of whom 72% live below the poverty line. And I'm going to be doing a little bit of something different here, as I don't really know that much about Bulgaria and we're just starting to learn about the Roma situation, which I've only read a little bit about. So I think for this episode, listeners will be learning with me as you guys kind of teach me about the situation and what you guys do. And I, oh, and also, I think you guys had mentioned that you guys were both activists before working with the organization. So we'd love to hear a lot about that time as well. So could you guys just start off telling me a little bit about the situation with the Roma people, the little bit of the history there and how it relates to Bulgaria? Well, Roma community is the biggest ethnic minority in Europe, which doesn't have its own state, but it's it lives in uh, all member states of European Union and out in the other uh, European countries. In Bulgaria, the number of Roma officially, according to the national last national census, is about uh, 320,000. But according to the Council of Europe, it's about 800,000. Well, Roma community, as every minority, face different type of challenges uh, related to access to education, access to labor market, uh, access to different type of social services, equal treatment, uh, etc. In Bulgaria, the challenges that the Roma community face are related to housing, education, access to labor market, discrimination, and maybe political representation or general representation in state institutions. Just to go back even further in the history, like what kind of began the situation for the Roma people, for those who don't know? Well, maybe we should start when was established the third Bulgarian state, when uh, was liberation after the Ottoman Empire, then was established the third Bulgarian state. At that time, for instance, in the capital, out of 26,000 citizens, about 5,000, uh, 6,000 used to be Roma. And uh, they were living in different uh, parts of the capital, but uh, slowly with development of the state and the capital, 
For instance, they were forced to live in the suburbs of the city and in that way were established uh, Roma settlements. And uh, of course, Bulgaria went through different type of processes after the First World War. During the Second World War, the position of Bulgaria and the situation in Bulgaria was also very specific uh, regarding Roma. As you know, together with the Jewish people, Roma also were targeted by the Nazis' policies during the Second World War. And, but it's not very well known and research, uh, researched part of the Second World War uh, history. And then after the end of Second World War, here in Bulgaria, the regime was changed. During the Second World War, uh, Bulgaria used to be a kingdom. But then it became a republic uh, and it was 45 years so-called communist regime. And that time actually a lot of developments uh, were ongoing regarding Roma. Some of them good, some of them not very good. But here we are today. Let me just do some clarifications. Actually, the attitude toward Roma by mainstream society, not only in Bulgaria, but overall in Europe, was extremely negative due to the way of lifestyle. So the lifestyle of Roma was pretty awkward to the other citizens. They were nomadic and they were exercising different types of crafts, fortune telling and etc. So that was something that was pretty scary for anyone else from the mainstream society. And people were not, they were afraid actually to get closer to those communities which were living quite isolated for the most of their lives. I wanted also to add that at present in Europe, there are more than 10 million Roma living. So this is a huge minority compared to, you know, the huge waves of uh, migrants that are coming in Europe nowadays from countries that are undergoing some riots and resistance out there. So part of the situation of Roma is due to the lack of understanding and knowledge about their lifestyle. And because of the known, people were more willing to keep away and not interact on a frequently basis with the Roma. During the different types of regimes in Bulgaria, in Romania, in other countries across Europe, Roma were tend to be isolated, non-educated, not allowed to actually go to school. And uh, therefore, the consequences of that negligence and lack of desire to live together with the Roma community, most of the Roma nowadays continue to suffer lack of access to these primary services like education, healthcare, and etc. So my understanding is the Roma are nationless, stateless, nomadic people who have a long time ago come out of northern India. Is that correct? Uh, just for those also who don't know anything you know, about the Roma is that correct? And also, do you know anything about the history of how they became, like, separate? Not separated, but, you know... How they dispersed. Yes, I know a bit. I think Ognyan can add to that. So they started off from India, as far as I remember, from an area closer to Punjabi. That's an area in, in India. So then they dispersed through Persia and Egypt. And then, well, there were different cohorts of groups that dispersed through different areas. But the main one went through Persia and then Egypt. And at some point in the early 14th century, they came in Bulgaria. But actually, the largest cohort 
came to Europe, while there were a few that went to other parts of the world as well. So yourself in the States have a tiny community of Roma or Gypsy. This is the way they've been called around the world. This is the known term about them. And the largest cohort actually came to Europe. And in the 14th century, a lot of Roma established in Bulgaria. And what is the difference in the challenges facing the Roma people in Bulgaria versus elsewhere in Europe? And what are some specific differences in general, good or bad? I would say that there is no difference whatsoever in all parts of Europe. Perhaps I would say that in the Western part of Europe, they kind of enjoy better life than the ones that are based in Eastern Europe. And that's due to the different life standard, right? So I would give you, for instance, the life of Roma in Sweden, in Norway, in Switzerland is a little bit different from the life of Roma in Romania, Hungary, and Bulgaria. And that's because uh, there is a a better off developed policies with regards to social groups that face severe economic challenges. Whilst in Bulgaria and other countries uh, in Eastern Europe, there is a struggle economically because policies are not well developed and not well implemented by the different governments. Altogether with the increasing discrimination and negative attitude toward that communities, that actually makes it even harder for them to to make a better life. Going back to now you guys, how did you guys get involved with the Roma situation, with helping out with this organization? And I guess even before the organization, you guys said that you were activists. You guys are you guys are not Roma people, right? Yes, I am a Roma and Ognan as well. It's quite interesting, actually. I would like to share my own story. So I grew up in the so-called mixed neighborhood. That's on a related note, most of uh, Bulgarian Roma live in segregated neighborhoods, right? So they live in the so-called ghetto areas across the country. But I had the chance to live in a mixed neighborhood with uh, lots of ethnic Bulgarians and ethnic Turks. And I had the chance to go to a school which was compulsory and the state at that time, during the communist time, was persecuting parents who were not allowing or getting their kids to school. So I went to a school and then I had the chance to continue my education because my parents were, I would say, pushy. So they encouraged me to continue school. And although it was quite difficult, actually, I would say my classmates were not very polite, very tolerant and very respectful. And most of uh, the Roma nowadays and actually for all the time, they suffer severe discrimination because of their origin. So I ended up into being invited by a local civil society organization working in in Sofia, which is the capital of Bulgaria, in the largest Romani ghetto here in Sofia. I was invited to help them with English. They were having troubles finding a person that would help them translate documents in English. So I started working there when I was 17. They persuaded me to continue my education at the university. So this is the way I ended up also going to the university and graduating the university. Since 1996, I've been closely involved with the Roma movement and the development of the inclusion of the Romani communities in the mainstream society in Bulgaria and 
and in Europe. So I was able at first hand to see how people suffer and how they tackle challenges on an everyday basis. Having no electricity, having no sewage, no water at your home, no hot water at your home. Having to go two kilometers to the bus stop so that you can actually go to school or go to a kindergarten. So that's something which had a deep impact to my life and my understanding and my values. And then I decided that I will continue work for that cause. I would say that my uh, story doesn't differ so much from Maria's story because I could say that the stories that all successful uh, Roma pass through are very much similar, at least the challenges they face. I grew up in a small town where I was only with my mother and I was visiting also mixed school but uh, with majority Roma and Turkish students which were also belonging to minority and maybe that part was the most romantic uh, part of my life because when I entered uh, in a university I went to study journalism in 2005 and then I for first time felt different attitude toward me but that time I was not able to recognize these attitudes as a discrimination because I never heard about this term I never know uh, what is it to be discriminated but that time I had this feeling and this attitude toward myself and of course it made me stronger, it made me more motivated and then I found an opportunity to volunteer in a non-profit Roma organization and it was something new for me, something interesting and I didn't know what was to be in Roma organization to volunteer for this cause despite the fact that I am Roma. I never heard what is the Roma issues that were discussed on state level, but actually I was experiencing them every day, but I didn't know that actually there are people who are fighting to overcome these challenges. And during my period of volunteerism, and then I started to work for this organization, I gained a lot of experience and I touched to the stories of a lot of students and families and parents who are struggling due to different challenges that regular ethnic Bulgarians do not face, which is very specific only for Roma. And then I decided that I also will work for this cause in order to help more people like me to escape and to grow professionally and to enter the labor market, to enter the institutions, to work as a professionals, and which make me a kind of activist, a Roma activist. I also have two occupations as a journalist and a psychologist, but I devoted kind of my professional life to the Roma cause because I think it's worthy. Even currently now we are communicating with different young people, university students, school students, parents, community activists, and the things and the issues they go through are really astonishing and they're making a real difference when they achieve something in the life of the people they work with. So this is a cause which is really worthy and it's not related only to improving the human capital but also changing people's life. Just to go back to the discrimination a little bit, and this might be a really dumb question, maybe uninformed question, but... How does the discrimination, because you said earlier in the interview that the Roma people's lifestyle is different and that's also why they were discriminated against before. These days, though, is your lifestyle that different? Like, how do people know that you guys are Roma? How do people then discriminate? 
Yeah, there is um, there is uh, some external feature that actually could be something that you can distinguish an ethnic Bulgarian from an ethnic Roma, and that's the color of the skin. But that's okay. perhaps something which is quite uh, blurred and vague. The only thing that, as an external characteristics, I would say shows that difference is also the poor clothing and the outfit of a person coming from a ghetto. Right. Despite that, we have serious evidence uh, that has been collected during the past years from various research institutions like Open Society, like UNICEF, like the World Bank. For instance, discrimination is most often exercised by medical professionals. In Bulgaria, there are still traditions of ethnic Romani women giving birth in isolated birth rooms, separated from other mothers that are going to give birth to their kids. Lower quality services. So for instance, a Romani mother that's pregnant, most probably she won't be able to go to see a doctor until the time of the birth of the child, until the time of delivery. And that's because most of them have no health insurance because they are not employed and because of their age as well. Romani girls tend to give birth of their first kid at an earlier age compared to ethnic Bulgarian girls. That would be 15, 16 years old. Romani kids are enrolled in, in Roma-only schools. The legislation it was changed recently, like two years ago, but prior to that, it was saying that kids have to enroll in the closest school in their neighborhood or residence. So during the communist time in Bulgaria, there were lots of schools built within the ghettos. So the Romani kids had no other option but to visit the Roma-only school. Whenever they are willing to get enrolled in another mainstream school, most often they've been refused to, to do so. And that's also another serious evidence of having severe discrimination against the community. But as we know from the history, that uh, the, the quality of education in the segregated schools is uh, much more lower than the quality of education in schools where um, uh, majority students are visited. The other main issue regarding education is that the services, the educational services which are provided in Bulgarian schools are mainly oriented toward needs of the ethnic Bulgarian children. I mean here that the cultural needs and the linguistic needs of the children from different minorities are not taken into account. Even the environment, the infrastructure in the Schools in classrooms are designed in a way that students from ethnic Bulgarian students can recognize themselves in the symbols that are put, let's say, in the classroom, but the students who are not ethnic Bulgarians cannot identify themselves with the institution, which is very important for children to feel secure in this environment. And to round out the global picture, how is the United States related? Just because most of our listeners are U.S., hopefully not for a long time, but for now... I would say that although the states went through similar challenges with people in color, we have been visiting the states and trying to get the most of the success stories, the most of the successful practices that were developed out there. So for instance, we are implementing a practice that we took out from the states. It's called Nurse Family Visiting Program, whereby nurses and medical professionals are visiting young mothers whom are expecting their first child. 
at an early age. And to that extent, that program has proven successful and very much beneficial to the Romani girls that are expecting their first child at a very early age. Yet another thing that I have seen personally in New York, in Harlem, was an initiative that would support entrepreneurs and people that are willing to develop their own small community-based business as a source of income and economic independence. We transferred and adjusted the model here and we've implemented it for about five years and now we have more than 40 young entrepreneurs that have started their own business as a source of income for their families. These are just a few of the examples that we took out from the States and we're happy to have had that chance to uh, implement those in Bulgaria. Do you think the Roma situation in the U.S. is better than it is in Europe because we have so many minorities and different people or do you think it's similar still? The only thing that differs our societies, and I truly believe it, is the, the, chance, the chance that's given to anyone in the States, regardless of his ethnicity and his origin, is uncomparable to what young people can achieve in Eastern Europe. So if you are working hard, if you have the inspiration, the motivation, equally having difficulties and struggles, you can still achieve a better life for your family and for yourself. While in our country, that's quite difficult, almost impossible. Because if you grow up in a community like the ones here in Bulgaria, you most probably wouldn't have left the community the borders, the geographical borders of that community for the entirety of your life. So that's a huge difference between the the two countries. That's good to hear uh, because, I mean, a lot of this podcast is, you know, divided families, family separation, and a lot of those situations have to do with the U.S. doing something or having a very complicated situation, right? So it's good to hear that or reminded of the good things that we also have here. but And also just to tie things back into the podcast theme of family separation, how does that relate for the Roma people? Um, I can't be really detailed when it comes to divided families. We have some specific traditions when it comes to raising a family in the Roma community. It is true that years ago, Romani girls tend to get married at a very early age, but that's because of keeping a specific tradition in mind by elderly community representatives and the cult toward virginity. So girls were not allowed to leave the community or to develop their potential, and their primary goal in life was to set up a family and raise a family. Most often, however, because they were marrying earlier, At some point, their husband would leave them with the kids and get married to another woman or just leave the community. And this is an implication that had a severe impact on many, many women in the community who had to raise their families by themselves. I just to add something regarding the divided families in terms of economical situation. For instance, in northwest part of Bulgaria, where there is a significant Roma community, according to the statistics. 40% of the parents live abroad and their children are here alone. Most of the parents in Bulgaria, not only Roma, but majority of them Roma, 
they are forced due to the economical situation to go and work abroad and here their children, girls and boys, they live alone, they go to school, uh, take care of themselves. Due to the lack of jobs and normal salaries with which they can afford normal life, the parents are forced to go to work in Western Europe in order to maintain better life of their uh, children. Yeah, I think that's common for a lot of other stories that we've heard too. And But I think that the woman situation is very unique. And has that gotten better at all? Or is that Romani women still get married pretty early? Or is that just... It's still, it's still ongoing, especially in the rural areas of the country where those communities continue to live isolated, although it is decreasing in terms of statistics. However, it's worrisome, and I think that through our partners and through our partnering organizations, we are trying to help educate and empower those girls to persuade their own development and their dreams. We actually implement a project that we call Romometer. It's a European Union-funded project, and we implement it in three locations in the country. Our idea is actually to work with girls at a very early age, so 13 to 15 years old, and tell them that they are equally important as the boys, and they have the choice to go to school, to graduate, and, and find a meaningful way to live their life. Not that having a family is not meaningful, but have their dreams achieved. Yeah. Uh, and also we have a program which is supporting organizing camps for Roma girls. It's also related to empowerment and to open their horizon for higher achievements, not only to uh, elementary, primary or secondary, but also to university education. And in many cases, especially in small localities, our investments, our initiatives became a board which takes a lot of people to higher level regarding the labor market access, educational achievements. And in many cases where the parents are abroad, the students are alone, we replace the role of parents, of mothers, of fathers, which is, I think, very crucial because the children, when they left alone, they don't have orientation, which is good, which is bad. And in this regard, I think our programs play a very important role, especially in small localities. Yeah, that's really awesome. And do you think that you guys could talk a little bit more about what TSA does? Oh, you guys already talked a little bit about what you guys do, but just what are the highlights? And I assume that a lot of uh, other NGOs, nonprofits might listen to this podcast. What kind of practices do you think work really well? The TSA was established eight years ago with the support of America for Bulgaria Foundation. We were thinking a lot how to structure the organization at the beginning and how to focus our, our support and investment. And we thought that we should follow the human cycle, the development of a human. So our investment and our support starts from a very early age. So from birth, it goes through giving a healthy start to babies, whereby we support young mothers having access to medical professionals that are teaching them about healthy nutrition of babies and etc. Then we go to early education, attending kindergarten and nursery for Romani kids across the country. 
which forms a solid ground for achievements at the later stage at school and the job market. And then we go through support of young people enrolling in elementary, primary, high school and university education. So we support all stages through various means, through scholarships, through tutorials, through uh, teacher support, mentorship, academic mentorship, through purchasing textbooks, through uh, helping them with transportation costs, etc. And then we move on to helping kids that are to graduate high school or vocational school to prepare for the labor market, you know, develop all these labor market skills like soft skills, ideas for entrepreneurship or establishing their own business, And then our final goal is actually to provide a solid ground for everyone to achieve economic independence and live in a stable and safe home. As I said earlier, most of the Roma in Bulgaria live in segregated neighborhoods, which means that they actually live in illegal houses, which are to be demolished at any point of time. And therefore, there is a risk of a lot of people becoming homeless. So this is the cycle that we go through and we have a lot of success stories actually to share. We are serving nearly 80,000 beneficiaries across the country and we work with more than 70 partners across the country. So we kind of enlarge and extend our support to the extent possible because we are dependent on funding available. And although we are constantly looking for establishing new partnerships with various NGOs, exchanging ideas, knowledge, but also we are looking for financial support so that all these ideas can get support to be achieved. Do you guys have any specific individual success stories that you'd like to share, especially because, you know, a lot of this interview was uh, about the bad parts of the situations? Um, I'll tell you for uh, one which comes to mind now. There was a girl, her name is Annie, and she uh, grew up in Kustendil, that's a small town close to the border with Macedonia, northern Mar Macedonia. So she lived the whole of her life into a ghetto and had no much of a, an options, but there was this NGO that we support which has started classes in English language, which we supported actually, improving English language proficiency of young people across the country. So Annie enrolled in that course who went for 18 months. So she persistently went through the course. She improved her language skills to the extent possible. So she's now teaching other kids at the neighborhood at the age of eight to 13. She's teaching them English. At the same time, she uh, volunteers at the local children's hospital, whereby she helps kids that are sick. And then she went to various oratory debates where she won the first place doing English, which was amazing. That's an amazing achievement. She also got to, she wanted to enroll into the American University in Bulgaria. And she made it through the enrollment exam. So we are now looking forward to helping her with the tuition fee so that she can get into the university. Well, yeah, that's amazing. And I'm sure that that story actually gives a lot of hope to a lot of people, Romani or not. But the last question that we usually ask is if there's one thing that you want listeners to take away or remember about the situation and what also we can do about the situation because it's still very active, as you guys know. 
What I can say is that everyone in at a certain point of time went through severe difficulties, challenges. Young kids go through bullying because of their skin, their color, hair color or whatever. But what is most important is that being different doesn't make you bad or worse. Being different is actually a value. And this is what I believe people have been ignoring or refusing to recognize that we are all different and that's what makes us successful and that what makes us better. Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of the Divided Families podcast. If you're interested in listening to more stories of family separation or learning more about our project, please follow us on social media at Divided Families Podcast. Thanks as always to Final Albert for the wonderful music and see you next time.